0: Your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to... It doesn't even matter what episode it is. We <laughs> are doing our round two pre- uh, playoff preview in round one wrap-up. Uh, speaking of a round one wrap-up, we have
0: one guy who was at uh, the highest of highs. Benny, what up? I said, don't let us win game five. They let us win game five, and it was a wrap. Um, I wish I can say I was as confident in games five, six, and seven, being down multiple goals in each of those games. I sent you that stat a few minutes ago. The first team in NHL history to be down uh, multiple goals in an elimination game for three straight games and to win all three games. So I they, mean, don't make well, it easy.
1: What does your Messier-like guarantee feel like more than
0: anything? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just something about these guys, this, this team, and that doesn't have any bearing on the rest of the, these playoffs, uh, especially once you start getting to teams like Carolina, Florida, Tampa, and the East. Um, but they sh- I don't know. The, Pittsburgh was not a team that should have knocked us out of the playoffs. Pittsburgh was not the team to end our season. Um, and Even being down 3-1, I knew we got... I know we got blown out in games 3 and 4, but we should have won game 1. Um, so that's a that's a 2-0 seriously going back to... You know what I mean? So there was no way Igor was going to play as bad as he did in games 3 and 4. Lindgren was coming back. We got Tyler Mott back, who for a fourth liner has a significant impact on our lineup. Um, I don't know. It was confidence because they've been doing it all year. I think they had 27 come from behind wins this season. So it's just a resilient group, and Pittsburgh was not the team to end it. Um, was Igor struggling, worrisome at all? I mean, you seemed very
1: confident. He bounced back, but when it was a bad game three and four, you're like, uh-oh, the, the magic from this four, year ran out. He's a little tired.
0: Yeah, after game four, because I mentioned this to you last episode where he had that stretch in the middle of the season where he was lights out, and then he had like a three or four-game stretch where he got pulled twice, he gave up five goals, and then he was lights out the rest of the regular season. Obviously, you can't afford to have a five-game stretch like that. Your season is already over when it comes to the playoffs. And one, one bad game, I was like, shit, that's... Terrible timing, but I think everybody in New York was like, one bad game, we're fine. And then when he got pulled again, the very next game, I was like, oh, shit, it's just that stretch again. Yeah, it's, is it happening? Yeah, and he bounced back in game six. He was solid. He still was fighting a puck a little bit. A few more rebounds than usual, but he was back to being Igor in game seven. I text you early on in the first period. I was like, Igor's back. Um, you, you did say that last night, yes. So, and he played fantastic um that Gensel goal was a high stick that was above the fucking crossbar um they even had a camera angle from the bench viewpoint where it showed where he made contact was above igor's shoulder and igor was half crouching so how that they determined that was below the cr- uh, crossbar is mind-boggling it, to can, me. Can, can i just like say uh, the craziest part to me is we
1: have all this technology yeah and how come at no point are the officials or the situation room in Toronto able to not just put a laser from the top of that goal post straight out to where his stick makes contact? Like, it could have been a 20-second review. You pull the fucking laser out, you put where the thing is, you're either above the crossbar or you're underneath it, and it's 10 minutes quicker.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even going back to the Crosby goal, remember they had to review that? early in the series, and then they finally found the camera angle that showed that it did cross the goal line. Mm -hmm. Why don't they have one camera built into the inside of each goal post that just looks right down on top of the goal line?
1: You know what, too, with that Crosby goal? I found it absolutely incredible that we only had the first three or four camera angles. And then this other one comes out of nowhere. And, and I'm, mentally I'm going, so how come we've only had the first four on repeat? And now magically this one showed up five <laughs> minutes later. I was like, oh, well, that's fucking strange. Cause every other angle, like agree to disagree. Listen, you need to prove that the puck crossed the goal yeah. line. And I had no question that the puck crossed the goal line, but I couldn't prove it.
0: Until that last camera angle.
1: Until that last angle. And, like, that was my thing where I'm like, uh, how was this held on to for this long? Like, I I just, I did not get that part. I was kind of blown away. I also
0: wonder how many goals in a regular season are ruled no goal because they don't have as many camera angles. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Or
1: magically that fifth camera angle pops up after they already did the review. Yep.
0: Exactly. So Yeah, but the Gensel shouldn't have been a goal. I mean the refereeing, I know they rotated some of the crews throughout the series, it wasn't the same four guys all series long, it was atrocious. Um not a good look. I mean the non call if you lost that series that non that goalie interference call in game one would have eaten at me the entire fucking summer. Because that was a good goal. The high stick against the last night ruled the goal was stupid. Um, the Crosby goal, that was more difficult than a rest. But the, like you said, it took 15 minutes for him to find some random camera angle from I don't know if, from where. Uh, that finally showed it was a goal. Throughout the series, missing calls. I mean, the this is getting really specific. But that cross-checking call on Nemeth in Game 2 at the blue line. Um, where he barely touched the guy in the lower back and he fell forward against a penalty. Like, it was so inconsistent. If you're going to call that, just call it. You can't just call it here and let it go here. Well, if the game has changed. We're in the third period now. We're going to swallow the whistles. I hate that shit. Um,
1: yeah, no, the, the, the refing league-wide has been awful. Not even close either.
0: I will say I'm very happy that the league did not Suspend Truba for that hit on Crosby because that was not a headshot. He didn't target the head. The elbow stayed down. The principal point of contact wasn't the head. If you saw the reverse camera angle, and it came out that while he was tested for a concussion, the injury wasn't to his head. It was to his shoulder. So for a Pittsburgh bitching about the headshot, he wasn't even. It was his shoulder that was hurt, not even his fucking head. What do you think? If it was the yeah, did you see the
1: hit? Sorry, did that was just my hit? vex like Sullivan. What do you think what do you
0: think? Speaking <laughs> of Sully, I mean I said before the series, I picked the Rangers in five, but any team of Crosby, Malcolm, Lateng and Sullivan is gonna be hard out. Sullivan's a great coach, but when Rodriguez skated back to the bench after disadvantage at a power play goal in game six, the daggers that Sullivan shot at Rodriguez and just stared at him at the bench for, like, a good 30 seconds. They kept showing it on TV, but holy shit, if I was Rodriguez, I would have just crawled back into the locker room.
1: <laughs> dude, it's just, Sully's a scary dude. <laughs> um, I, I will say, too, I, I think another point of game-changer during the series, I think, was game six, that Kreider goal. Where oh, yeah. They get back to the bench, and like I had texted you even before this had come up, where I was like, Mika needed that to just kind of get out of the funk. But yep. to see Kreider get to the bench and toss the iPad, yeah, and just like, <laughs> like I loved every second of that. Like I it ain't mean, fucking
0: about that. Kreider and Mika have a bromance going back a few years now, so they're attached at the hip. If you the Rangers' social media feed always has a video of the guys coming into the arena, whether home or on a road uh, from the team bus or from the hotel. And it's always Mika and Kreider walking in together. Just them two, alone, every time, no one else, 82 games a year plus the playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah, the, Mika, once he got that first goal in Pittsburgh, he went off. The last two games, I think he ended up with seven points in two games. The Kreider goal... Um, Fluke goal, I'll take it, because we were about ready to head into another overtime with our season on the line. So that goal saved us minimum extra work for Igor going into a Game 7. Um, and I was texting—the the range of emotions in my text messages to you last night, <laughs> where I was just like, it'd be nice if Crosby can—if uh, Panarin can show the fuck up, MIA all night. That was a stupid fucking penalty by Panarin, and then it was like 25 minutes later— Thank you, bread man. <laughs> yeah. He has arrived. Yeah, so Yeah, I mean Pittsburgh's always gonna point to that as we play because we score three goals after he left the game uh in game five and then we won game six without him there, but you know we played without Lindgren. we play without Mott, Igor was basically playing We were we basically started Georgia for the two Pittsburgh games. <laughs> um so happy to get out of there with the win, obviously, uh, very resilient team. Uh, but if they expect to play the same way in the series against Carolina, it's going to be a short series if they don't tighten up a little bit. Now
1: foreshadowing to you guys and Carolina, what are your thoughts? Any certain things sticking out to you or what's going on?
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. It's just the same thing all year long with Carolina, um, and this is a nice segue into the Carolina-Boston talk here, but the just relentless like pressure. Power play, PK, even strength. If they have the puck, they're on top of you making your defenseman turn. If they don't have the puck, they're on top of you in the passing lanes. They're on top of you where you don't have time to make two, three passes. You're just getting rid of the puck. They're just always there, always forechecking, always on top of you. And for a team like the Rangers, who our goal scorers, Mika, Panarin, we like even a foxy. We we like to float in a little bit and set up the play and look for that extra pass. And we can't do that against Carolina. Um, it is, to be honest, my biggest concern, because the series turned around when Lingren came back, this guy's playing with duct tape right now. My biggest concern is a big hit from Sveshnikov on Lindgren early in the series. I don't know if uh, as tough as nails as the kid is, I don't see him being able to bounce back from another significant injury. And we saw what happened when we have Nemeth in the top six and Braun playing on the top pair.
1: And now, just a question with Lingren: Is he ever healthy? It's like, <laughs> like, like the kid is just constantly like eating pucks and like yeah. bloodied and beaten after every game, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, like how, how is it, pal? You know, it just seems like it's always something with
0: him. He did joke that uh, his motto for his career is, "I'm here for a good time, not a long time." <laughs> yeah, fuck, apparently. Um, but that's why the Rangers, when they signed him to his extension, only gave him three years. You don't quite know how long you're going to get out of him. I'll say it like that, and I hope it's not because of any type of head injury. Um, But he does battle. He blocks a ton of shots. He plays physical. I mean, for such a stay-at-home guy and uh, physically um, demanding defenseman, he's not a big guy. He's six foot 185, maybe 6'1".
1: 185 must be nice.
0: So, I mean, like, he's not the typical – like 6'3", 220 uh, physical stay-at-home defenseman like a Trouba playing with Fox. He's a he's almost the same size. He's a little t- bit taller than Fox, but he's not a huge guy, which is where a lot of that wear and tear comes from.
1: I, I just, every time I see you guys play, the kid is just...
0: <laughs> he's always getting taped up on a bench. He's always getting uh, some gauze pads put in his nostrils. <laughs> just... Uh, Just a trade wreck. <laughs> but yes, that's one of my big concerns going in besides team structure is can we get through another series with a healthy healthy Lingren because of how much of an impact he makes on the rest of the team. Um, but like I said, Carolina, Boston, you guys took them to a seven-game series, which I know you guys had trouble. You didn't win a single road, road game. Um, but they – Demolished you guys in a regular season and you took them to seven games. Um, what changed between a regular season and the playoffs and what changed between playing at home and playing on the road? Uh,
1: I think a big part of it was where our big name showed up. Uh, first couple of games were tough. I mean, that lingering hit definitely completely threw us completely out of game two. Oh, to Lind, uh, Lindholm hit. Oh, I'm sorry, Lindholm hit. Sorry, Lindgren. We were talking about <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the Lindholm hit completely brought us mentally out of game, too. Uh, back at home, a little home cooking. Uh, I mean, everyone here in Boston has had the opinion o- as to the switch to Swayman was the reasoning. I, I don't believe that. I mean, I, I thought Olmark and Swayman were both kind of equals here. What, that they lost the series? Oh, yeah, they were, they were saying if, you know, we started Swayman from the beginning, we we would have won the series, and I'm like, I, I don't see it that way.
0: I mean, Omar but, was uh, playing pretty fucking well in April for you guys.
1: Uh, I thought Olmark had a good game one and two. I mean, I just thought the team as a whole did, did not bring it. Yeah, and okay. I thought he was one of our
0: our focal points, but... um, And then if you played Swayman and you guys lost the first two games, they'd say they should have started Olmark earlier.
1: Oh, dude, it, it, it never ends here. It's the carousel. <laughs> um... I will say this. I was very intrigued when we went home to see what our matchup was compared to theirs with having yeah. the last change. And we wanted the coil line out there with the stall line. And then in Carolina, they wanted the stall line out there with the Bergeron line. Yeah. And that ended up being one of the biggest things. I mean, Stall kind of owned Berge at the dot.
0: It doesn't happen often.
1: No, that that's why it was very surprising to me. And, One underlying thing that I didn't really notice too much as to when we were playing them is, you know, outside of their, their superstars, I mean, stalls, a big boy, Nino Nita riders, a big boy, and they definitely had some size up front, which I think we ran into a big problem with just Brandon Carlo is, is soft, soft, soft,
0: um, by the way, Rizzo. as they mentioned, your fourth line hasn't scored a... None of the three scored a goal since March.
1: You, you know what? I, I'm not pushing for our fourth line to give us production. But on the other end of things, I mean, Curtis, Lazar, and Nosick were together on that fourth line for most of the year. And then sick ends up getting shuffled up the lines a little bit for a couple of those games, which I think kind of hindered the fourth line.
0: Yeah. But at the
1: same time, I mean, Chris Wagner came in and was playing really good hockey for us. So then we took him out for game six and seven. And I was surprised that I thought Wags was playing well. Uh, Foligno had, I mean, if we're on a ranking system, I'd call it a. A, a C minus like just average, n- nothing above average, a, a little bit below.
0: You can tell um, a lot of mileage.
1: Yeah. And I mean, w- we still have him for this year as well for, for UFA, but yeah, I mean, like, like Nick's beat up. The, the, there's no question about that. Uh, we, we pull Mac Grizzlick out. Uh, Grizzy has a very bad shoulder that he's probably getting repaired today or tomorrow. Uh, that had come out through a family member because I, I'm in this Bruins group and the only problem we have sometimes are people just say things and yeah. at some point people are going to push back. So Grizzlick sister's in a group and one of the guys writes in it that, you know, Grizz wasn't playing game, was game four was the first one he sat? Or game three? I, we'll I forget what which there, one it was. Uh,
0: McAvoy came back from COVID. So five then. So, so yeah, game five
1: was the first one he sat and, um, someone writes in the thing that, you know, he's sitting due to personal reasons and the sister just did not take well to that. And she just (laughs) came out and she was like, um, you know, we try to keep stuff private, but at this point, like, I just feel like I have to respond to idiots who are just going to push stuff out there. She's like, our father has had cancer since whatever date. Um, Matt has played straight through this blah blah. he had his last treatment on whatever day it was da, 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 da. she's like Matt is not sitting out due to personal reasons Matt has a completely torched shoulder that he needs off-season surgery on and at this point it seems as if the shoulder is complete garbage and has contributed to his play.
0: Is there any well, idea when that injury happened?
1: I, from what she said he's been playing with it for most
0: of the season. Fuck man, you should have gotten that surgery done in November.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you when it happened or any of that, but she said, you know, majority of the season he's had it. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, unfortunate. I mean,
0: Grizzly did get torched though. He was like a, he was like a dash six. Yeah, That's yeah, kind of I was surprised. Uh, I knew something was up when they kept Clifton in, and I was like, oh, something's going on here. Yeah, so I, I think finally
1: the medical staff may have pulled the plug on him and, and Bruce took him out of the lineup. Uh, as for a whole, if we're ranking, it's hard to say line one, line two, because everything shuffled. Yeah. Brad Marshan on the games he showed up for. B-plus uh, on the games he did not C-minus.
0: Can I ask, mm-hmm. is Marshan playing with a lower body injury in this series that you know uh, of or suspect he might have been playing hurt?
1: I'm sure he he could have been could have been hurt it, it, It's been a long year for him a, a lot of this team was kinda wherever he brought it to, you yeah. know so so there's been a lot on the little guy's back and on his shoulder. so yeah, there there could be a lower body injury
0: there. The reason why I ask is he was noticeably slower than normal on the ice, like getting to the puck making plays. he just looked slow and as That's not usually him. Like, he's usually in there. So seeing him, like, to me, obviously, like, I don't watch every single Bruins game. I don't keep up as much as you do, obviously. But he just looks slow and not, like, normal Marshand.
1: I mean, I think that could be it. I think the other part, too, is this poor guy. (laughs) And obviously, it's due to reputation, but he's labeled for life in this league, yeah. And it just like some of the calls that happen and everything else, and you're kind of just like, it's a reputation call, like you know, the some of the roughings, some of the trippings, and you're like, he barely touched them. like, like come on.
0: Did the goalie what? get fined for slashing Marshand, or was Marshand the only one I got fined for that whole situation?
1: Nope, only Marshand. Oh, yeah. Only Marshy. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, though, I, I thought he had a breakout series. I yeah, thought he I played really, he really well. well. Um, Lindholm well. I was going to say, when he came back for those... Other, like, games one and two, he was not good. Yeah. And then yeah, when he finally came back... Long. Yeah, game one, he just never had his footing. It was like four falls in the first period. I'm like, something's up. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I thought when he came back game six and seven, he played very well. I didn't like Carlo. Forbert was great. I mean, just eight shots for us. Connor Clifton played good. Um, That third line, I expected a little bit more out of. And I know that they kind of took Frederick out of the lineup for a couple of games, then brought him in. So the lines did shift. I know Smitty was on the second line at one point. It kind of went up and down. But Charlie Coyle needs to be better. Eric Halla was fucking awful. So was Taylor Hall. Um, n- need more. I mean, Eric Hall is not a two C, yeah. But Taylor Hall is a fucking top line left winger, and he did not play that way. I think. I think so he talk- shit his
0: pants a little bit. Talking about two C. What do you guys do if Bergeron retires? You don't even have a second line center right now, and Coyle is vastly overpaid as a three C. And if Bergeron's not there to start training camp. I mean, uh, let's just jump into the Bergeron talk. Yeah. I mean,
1: if Bergeron doesn't come back, we're fucked. And (laughs) if Bergeron doesn't come back, then I, I I think you have to start thinking about it. Yeah. I think you have to sell some pieces to see what's available. What's not. Which
0: is crazy that they signed Linton to that deal.
1: Oh, I did too. I, I did too. Um, I know Shifley's on the market this year. I know Shifley and Marshander tight. Who, who knows? Maybe if Berge retires, maybe Shifley's the next guy you bring in. I know Halla has... We have him through this season coming up as well, so only a two-year thing. But, you know, we definitely need to start finding a better term there. And during the season, Eric Halla played very well there. So, so I'm not taking away from his regular season attribute. But, man, in that series, he just... Nothing. And, and, like, he scored that goal in game six, and I'm like, I, I still didn't think he, he had a good fucking series at all. So it was like,
0: eh. Well, two questions about your future. One, gut feeling, is Bergeron back next year? I'm hoping that Berge takes a
1: two-year deal for about four mil apiece, and then that'll be it. for. So he'll round out and play 20 complete seasons.
0: Okay, and... You texted this to me early on in a series, but do you think Cassidy's back next year?
1: I don't know. Just with all of the names that are out there, this is one of the biggest things in Boston radio. I hear it a lot. So the Greg Hill morning show, they always talk to Bruins players, Celtic players, but they always bring up interview talks. And... Celtics players are always big on referencing Ime Udoka, saying, you know, Imei had a great game plan, you know, Imei had us together, Imei this, blah, blah, blah. And then for the Bruins players, they never reference Cassidy unless he's asked. So when talked about it, they're saying, oh, you know, yeah, we came together as a team. Yeah, the boys did good, blah, 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 but Cassidy is never referenced. So their belief is that Cassidy has lost the locker room and he will be fired and somebody else will be brought in. I just, I I do think that there are better coaching options, but I mean, that's just off the people who have been fired. As for having the room and everything else, I mean, do I think some of our defensemen could have played better? Yes. Do I think that some of our offense got lost a little bit in this series? Yes, but at the same time, like, are you, like, can you blame Cassidy for the guys not showing up every game? Like, at some point, like, The guy's got to play. I I don't put a lot of that on the coaching staff. Like there's times when you lose the room and there's other times when you're like, boys, you got to strap it on and fucking put it deep and go check somebody and get the puck back. Like I I can't do it for you.
0: I will say this. If Bergeron lets the team know that, uh, he's not going to come back. That's the question to ask. Like, okay, you don't have to worry about it because you're not going to be here. What's going on with Bruce.
1: No, I, I agree, and, and I think they're going to have to have some serious sit-downs and go over it. I know the Bruins immediately signed uh, John Beecher to his three-year entry level today, and I, I wonder, like, this is my own internal thing, and I don't know, do you think at some point the coach and the GM sit down to discuss roster construction? I, I would say yes, there has to be a conversation yeah. there. But on the other end, too, sometimes it's like, well, this is the team I was given as the coach and on the other end, you're kind of going, well, I tried signing so and so, couldn't do it. So instead of an apple, I got you a banana.
0: Yeah, I don't think I think it's such a close relationship nowadays between coach and GM. I don't think there's any type of scenario that I can envision where I had coaches like, well, oh, this is what I had to work with and never had a say or never had input. Um, yeah. uh, cause
1: just like me thinking about it is just, we are way too small and I, and I'm not requesting to bring back the Bruins of old and Sean Thornton, but we need some meat. Yeah. But like yeah. We, we were soft Carolina, even though, you know, Aho, Tara Vinen, Kokanyemi, these aren't the biggest guys. Just, they were jumping guys. in there, skating, just skating hard, playing hard against us being fucking pricks playing playoff hockey and it just seemed like something that our guys only wanted to do sometimes, not all of the time. And that ended up being a crucial part of this.
0: I mean, Bruce has just been there for a long time.
1: Yeah. I think it's five years now.
0: Yeah. So, you know, good coach, bad coach shelf life comes for all of them. Oh, regardless. Yep. Yeah. So I personally think he's going to be let go. Um, I honestly, when I think of coaches around the league, no one ever mentions Bruce Cassidy. Like, no, no, just
1: just, just kind of like all reliable, just nice, quiet, and, and know, like going. He's
0: a top coach. You never hear discussions. Who are the top five, ten coaches in the league? Oh, Bruce Cassidy's up there. So if he gets let go of Boston, like, is there a market for him where they're like, holy shit, Cassidy's available? I think with all of the people
1: that have been fired, I, I think he would find a home. But I do think that there would be other people interviewed before him. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um,
1: He always just looks so angry behind the bench. (laughs) There's never even a smile or a conversation. It's just always a stern look. And it's like maybe the guys just want a little bit of coop out there. Just like, you know, a little smile, a little positivity.
0: Well, hey, if you want some positivity, I got a French Canadian that you can hire. I'm all set. Thank you. (laughs) Um, All right. So. We'll move on to the second round, uh, which begins tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Luckily, the Rangers series starts on Wednesday, so we got two full days off. Yeah, you needed that. (laughs) Um, So we'll start out west as we always do. Uh, Calgary survived overtime in Game 7 against the Dallas Stars. That was my big upset pick. I was one goal away from it happening, even though, based on the playing game seven, Dallas had no business even coming close to winning that. Um, Ottinger carried them last night. Uh, but I almost got it. I would have been fucking ecstatic if I, if Dallas scored it. Like, holy shit, I called it. Casey laughed when I said Dallas <laughs> in seven. <laughs> I, I did laugh. I did laugh. <laughs> um, but we have Calgary, the Battle of Alberta versus the Edmonton Oilers to survive. Their own Game 7 against a heavy underdog in the Los Angeles Kings. Um, I know Calgary is a favorite of yours, but thoughts on the series? What's your prediction? If I'm going with prediction, I'm going
1: to say Calgary in 7. I honestly... I'm a gamer. Well, I honestly don't want it to go 7. But I just feel like... This was the monkey off Calgary's back getting getting yeah. through Dallas. I think one of the things we've talked about all year with Edmonton is consistency in net, and they have not had it. But when Mike Smith has played well in this postseason, he's played very well. I mean that that shutout he had the other night was, was a very good game from him. So now coming into it, I think if Smitty's feeling it a little bit in Calgary's, you know having a time trying to get pucks on net, I think that they can struggle a little bit like they did against Dallas. So I think in the end, Calgary is good enough to shut down Edmonton. I also feel that a certain person, Matthew Kachuk, is going to get into the heads of a couple of people there. And, Kachuk and Kane. Oh, Kachuk and Kane, Kachuk and Nurse, Kachuk <laughs> and Cassian. Uh, I just think that Calgary will have their way. Uh, Big Daddy Looch is going to make a big appearance here and just start hammering down on Edmonton defensemen. And I think throughout the series, that's really going to beat them up. Uh, If Calgary can turn the offense on, I think game one is going to dictate a lot for Calgary. If Calgary can come in and score four goals game one, I think they could sweep Edmonton. But I just don't think the offense has been that consistent for it to happen. So that's why I'm going Calgary in seven. In a nasty series, too. It's going to be ugly.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make this two points. The first one is, like you said, we talked about it before we started recording. Calgary getting past the first round, finding a way to win, is a big mental relief for them. It would be as if Toronto ended up beating Tampa Bay. Um, Just getting over that hump. I think the weight's off of them a little bit. And I know that's an intangible thing to measure when it comes to sports. But, I mean, even from our minor, minor, minor days of playing hockey, like that's a real thing. Um, The second part of that is every facet of the roster, Calgary is better. Even when it comes to McDavid, I think Goudreau... The way he's playing right now equalizes him out. I'm saying Calgary in five.
1: I Calgary, think, I mean, I Jacob think it Markstrom, be a very too. short
0: series because Markstrom he got overshadowed by overshadowed by Ottinger, but he played really well in that series too. And it's just a massive goaltending edge over Mike Smith. I think on defense there's no superstar, but from one to six they're better than Edmonton, and. The third and fourth lines of Calgary are going to chew up Edmonton. I mean, I'm 100% on board with that. So So we got the Flames. We both had the Flames going to the Western Conference Final. The other matchup, sneaky good in my mind. The Colorado Avalanche, who just came off a sweep of the Nashville Predators, playing the St. Louis Blues, who knocked out the Minnesota Wild in six. I'll go first since you went first in the last series. I think for a team like Colorado, who they're facing their own little mental hurdle here of getting out of the second round with Uh such an uber-talented roster, year after year, trying to get over the hump, to have it be a matchup against St. Louis, where they're still a good group of core guys that won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. Bennington's playing well again. You have Ryan O'Reilly going up against McKinnon. This is going to be a really tough matchup for Colorado. And I know we both picked Calgary, but I think this is the toughest matchup that Colorado is going to have out of the remaining Western Conference teams. Agreed. That being said, St. Louis has no answer for the defense of Colorado. Let's say Ryan O'Reilly shuts down McKinnon for the entire series. You still have Makar. You still have Tays.
1: I mean, so, Makar
0: was unbelievable. He, like, so he had 10 points in a four-game sweep. He's the first defenseman in NHL history to accomplish that, and he's the first forward to do that, and I think almost 20 years it was the I last just, time a forward did that. I, I was
1: just amazed watching him. Like, you know, you, you see him throughout the year, and you, and you know he's good, but, like, that series and what he was able to do. And it wasn't like, do do you remember like the old school NHL, like the beginning of it when they had like a Rover where there was like, (laughs) like this guy is the Rover, but can still get back and play defense. Like the other thing
0: is just like Fox, he never gets hit hard.
1: No, he he absorbs everything.
0: Yeah. So I think this is going to be a very tough series. I think most games are going to be pretty close. Um, St. Louis is gonna try and slow it down. They're gonna they're gonna try and make it into an old school two one, one nothing, uh scrums after every whistle, hooks and grabs, because that's the only shot they have, and they need Bennington to stand on his head. Colorado and six in overtime.
1: I, I don't know about the overtime, but I agree with you. I think Colorado and <laughs> six. Um yeah, I mean, I think depth both wise is, is huge, right? Like yeah, who they yeah. both have, and and like you said, I mean, St. Louis with the names, a, a little bit older, but guys who have been around the block. They're coaching, but the, like Colorado is a machine. Like I, I, I just like watching them play against Nashville. I was like, wow, like they are <laughs> flying, like like. Just moving, and it was – I don't want to say it was amazing, but it was like – it was crazy. And then to go down that lineup – and, I mean, this point of the year, too, it's all about luck and obtaining injuries and staying healthy.
0: They make it out of the –
1: yeah, they they make it out of the first line unscathed. So for them to get out – but now a a question for you just – I feel like the NHL – with certain things is very touchy. And do you think Colorado having all this time off is going to push them into a slow start coming into game one?
0: Uh, Honestly, I don't think so. I think they're – I think McKinnon, just alone by himself, never mind Landis Cog and Rantanen, uh, Rantanen, is just so tired of not going on a deep – run and go into the final that there's no way they're going to come to game one unprepared or kind of rusty. All right. Um, but I do think there's a good chance that this is a series that Kadri gets the suspension playing against O'Reilly. Yeah, I was, and- was going to say, <laughs> he, 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 at this point he's overdue. <laughs> well, of have averages. So might be a one gamer or might be a seven gamer. Who knows? Um, but yeah, Colorado six. It's going to be a closer series than I think most people imagine. Um, but I think we're set up for a colorado calgary Western conference final. Moving out east, we'll start with the, the Sunshine series. The Tampa Bay Lightning back-to-back Stanley Cup champs coming back from a 3-2 series deficit against the Maple Leafs, knocking Toronto out in the first round again at home and in game seven. Um, Tampa Bay was even down. In game six at home, and it came back and won that one. Going against Florida, who advanced in their first round matchup, their first series win since 1996 when they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, a little bit more difficult of a series than some might have thought. Not a hugely difficult series, but... Brayden a point. Doubtful for game one. I think he suffered a pretty nasty hip injury on that play in game seven. I don't know if it's a, if he dislocated his hip, if he tore his labrum something, but I don't think we're going to see him until very late in the series. If that, and with that in mind, does that impact your selection in the series or is it just you're riding with coop until proven otherwise? Uh, so as our boys in a
1: missing curfew would say the sunshine fuck fest. I I think (laughs) this one, uh, This one's definitely it. I thought the series they had last year against each other was incredible. As for point being out, I think that is an impact, a big impact player, not there. But for Tampa Bay to go into Toronto and face adversity, which they haven't had in a couple of years, of being down and kind of out and against it, to then come back into the series, to then go there and to win the series. I think Tampa's up right now, mentally, physically. The one question mark that I do have both ways, and this is usually isn't me, is the goaltending. Uh, Vasilevsky did not have the numbers or the game that he usually has Uh, he went there and he had a very good game seven but there was a couple of games there they're putting five goals against Vasilevsky that's that's unheard of and I mean we go back to Florida who has Bobrovsky and it seems like now they're sticking with him we talked about it in the first round via text that a couple of those games I mean that Washington won when are they going to make the change tonight? When are they going to do it? When are they going to do it? They didn't do it. They stuck with Bobrovsky. Is that going to be the Achilles hail this series? And I think, yes, I'm riding with coop. I'm riding with stammer. Stammer looks fucking incredible. Uh, headman's still logging 45 minutes a game out of 60. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's like a fine wine, man, better with time. It. And some of those things over there, Hey, it may not work as good as it did or something like that. But, a, could you imagine going back to back to back? But B, could you imagine me and Patty Maroon going back
0: to back to back to back? Like, well, I'm I'm riding with Tampa. You know, everybody's, everybody everybody uh, kisses their ass, but let me know when Tampa Bay wins a, a final without a shortened season. <laughs> um, I think it comes down to kind of what we discussed with Igor in the beginning where Vasilevsky wasn't on top of his game in round one, but how long is that going to last? Oh, he, he's at home right now.
1: He, he's petting his bald cat and you all the powers I mean, are coming back to him.
0: Yeah, like I don't expect Vasilevsky to have a subpar round two. Um, the point injury is pretty significant just because Tampa Bay doesn't have as much depth. For this playoff run, as they had in the first two. tell you Um, what, though. Paul's looked good. Yeah, uh, Browse. (laughs) Yeah. Florida has even more of a balanced and high-powered offensive attack than Toronto. And Toronto took them a seven. Um, I just have a hard time picking Sergei Bobrovsky over John Cooper. Like a Cooper coach team until proven otherwise is not going to lose a Bobrovsky in a playoff series. And he played solid in round one for the most part, but you're playing a Washington team, which by the way, get the casket. That was the last playoff series. I think you'll see of the Capitals for the next couple of years. Um, but it was against the Capitals who have three offensive guys and Wilson missed most of the series and he still didn't play f- fantastic. Um, I just can't, I can't pick Florida because if they were going with Spencer Knight from game one onward, it would be a little more interesting, but I'm going to go Tampa Bay in seven. Point comes back for game six and seven is my prediction. I'm not saying he's going to get 20 minutes tonight, but he might get third-line minutes and some power play time. But I'm rolling with Cooper and Vasilowski in this one. I like your style, pal. (laughs) Um, Going to my boys, uh, Rangers versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Like we talked about, Rangers came back from 3-1 down, knocked out the Pittsburgh Penguins, fuck Sidney Crosby. Um, Carolina knocked out your boys, unfortunately, uh, RIP. It took seven games from them too. So not really much of a rest factor for either team coming into here. Um, two days off for New York, three days off of Carolina. Sounds like Freddie Anderson is going to come back at some point in this series. I don't know if it's game one. Um, uh, but otherwise Carolina is healthy for the Rangers. Everybody's back except for Goodrow which is still a huge huge loss for us. Lindgren is basically the bionic man at this point. I'm going to let you go first in this one. Um, what do you see going on here? And I will not get offended if you do not pick my guys.
1: All right. Um, as for what I see in this series, I see a seven-game series here. I just think that you have two teams that are very well matched up against each other. I think it's going to be a little bit of a chess match. I think we need to see when Freddie Anderson comes back. But on the other end, this is a question I have for you, just about Freddie Anderson, where I think his injury was a lot more significant as to what was originally reported. Yeah, and they I didn't totally say he was what
0: the injury was like he, uh, like it was a graze.
1: I don't know what the injury was, but but I tell you what, they haven't he he hasn't played. They haven't said he's starting game one. They just said you'll see him at some point in the second round. Yeah, like like does that mean it has to go seven for you to see him? And then the other part is, do you just throw him in there while he's cold when you have these other two guys who have been playing? And Ranta's been playing solid. Ranta's been playing good. Um, I I just wonder as to like. When we actually see Freddie Anderson, and and who's to say, maybe they're bluffing. Maybe you're not even going to see him this round. It's just maybe it's a thought. So maybe they just have him out there skating in hopes of, oh, you know, he's getting close. He's getting close. I, I do think that you guys, from how you guys won Game Seven into where this team is right now, I, I do think that you guys will take advantage of the goaltending that is currently there, as we did not. Uh, I will say Carolina is uh, its a very loud building, and yeah, I think that if, if you get behind them at home, it, you're tough. digging yourself a little bit of a hole to get out of it. I, I just think that what happened with you guys with Pittsburgh will happen again, where your big names will finally shake the funk off, show up when it counts, and win the games. So, with that, I'm going to say the Rangers are going to win in seven.
0: Carolina is a huge test for us.
1: Moore's um, a good coach, man.
0: Yeah. He the, knows the guys. And lines one through four, have size and speed. Um, yeah. Their defense, not as intimidating as some of the other teams left in the playoffs. I mean, their first pair is pretty dynamic. Um, But I guarantee you, we're going to get Tony D'Angelo to take a few bad penalties, especially at the garden. Um, All you got to do is look at him. And he planted the garden. We got rid of him. All we need to do is, you know, get into his grill a little bit for a few, a few times early in a series and he's going to spend the rest of the series chasing us around the ice. He can't control himself. Um, so that's might mitigate their first pair there. Goaltending. If Igor e- plays the way he did in Game Seven and most of the regular season, um, I think that seals us at least two games. Um, in terms of overall in the series, the key for the Rangers here. Everybody thinks it's about slowing Carolina down. I think it's just really and this goes this isn't anything groundbreaking here is I want it wide open. But I want I need the puck possession, right? So I don't care if we give up 30 40 shots a game when we have Igor in net, I want to put 30 40 shots on Ranta. I'll take that matchup. I don't oh, need it, agreed. I don't yeah. need it to be one nothing. I don't need it to be like what St- I think St. Louis is going to try and do with Colorado. I don't need Panarin and Mika to try and be Patrice Bergeron in terms of like being a shadow guy. I need them to just fucking gallop around the ice and I'll take my chances. If we lose this series because Ranta or Anderson stood on their head and Igor, who is the backbone of the team, couldn't pull through for us, well, we lost with the guys that brought us. Like, it'll be, it'll suck. But what else can you do? I don't want to lose this series because we tried to change the way we play. because that right there is already a mental kind of stimulus to Carolina where it's like they're changing the way they play because of us. Fuck that. Bring it to them. Um, I think what's going to determine a series for us, one, like I said it very early on, if we get Lingren for all every game in a series healthy, that's going to go a long way. The Mott return you saw in games six and seven was a huge love for us. But I think the key to the series is the battle of the third lines. And they the got kid, a big one. <laughs> the kid line played pretty well in the Pittsburgh series. A couple goals uh, for the guys. If they can chip in with some offense and force Carolina to actually devote some of their resources and game planning towards the third line and not just focus on Mika and Panarin, that's going to go a long way. Lafreniere has blossomed late in the season, very late in the season, and then in the first run against Pittsburgh. He's a completely different player. Kako, it's funny because when Lafreniere came in, he was the... uh, the playmaker, and Kako is the finisher and the guy who can use his body to set up plays. It's the complete opposite now where Lafreniere, I don't even think can make two passes in a row, but he can fucking rip home a one-timer, and Kako uses his size and sets up his line mates. I'll take it. He has been playing well. He gets boxed out a little bit, but I think if we can get the third line there, that's going to go a long way. I'm going Rangers in seven. All right. So that sets up a conference final. Tampa Bay versus the Rangers. Tampa Bay, four wins away from going back to San Cup Final for the third year in a row. Out West, you would have Carolina versus uh, Carolina, Colorado versus Calgary. So we're in agreement for all four series. Um, the games differ a little bit, but that just means that it's going to be Florida versus Carolina and St. Louis versus Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... This is it for me because you can poke some holes in Tampa Bay right now. They've played a lot of hockey. Agreed. They have a couple injuries. It's a lot there's a reason why teams don't go back to back to back. Like almost ever. Carolina's healthy. They're humming along. I think they have more depth one through four on the lines. If you get past Carolina. And then it's a seven-game slugfest with Florida and Tampa Bay. I'm a little giddy there. I'm a little giddy about that conference final. It it moved a little bit? Yeah. Um, But we'll see. Either way, if we're going to lose, like I said, don't lose because you forgot your identity. Fucking just go balls out, boys. Like, let's do this shit. And
1: and can I ask one other question about it? I know earlier in... The Pittsburgh series it, it seemed like Gallant was getting out coached a little bit by Sullivan yeah are, are you scared about that a little bit going into this one as well or do you just think that the guys kind of Stella finally found
0: her groove and everything's going good I think I think the boys found their groove a little bit this is their first play, was their first playoff series together as a team and you saw a couple kind of game management and gut calls that Gallant made in games six and seven um that just shows that he knows the team. He knows what buttons to push. He knows what guys to get out there. Um, He knows when to change up a line for just a shift to send a message instead of benching a guy the rest of the game. Um, That timeout in overtime in game seven to rest the guys so they can play the full two minutes. Otherwise, if he didn't call that timeout, there was a faceoff in the offensive zone where the second unit would have came out normally. And that's the shift. That's the play. The Rangers won the faceoffs. The Bananja won it back. That eventually led to the goal. So if he doesn't call that timeout, that goal probably doesn't happen. They're still playing and Pittsburgh could easily scored and knocked us out, ended our season. Um so it's just little things like that where Moore Moore's a great coach, but there reason there is a reason why Gallant is so well respected around the league. I think it's a fairly even coaching matchup. Um I wonder who would win in a fight though. <laughs> Uh I heard Rod the Bod still putting up like four and a quarter. So. <laughs> well maybe not now. Let's say they're they're prime playing years. <laughs> Back in the day, yeah. yeah. Um but by the way, I just want to give a nice uh shout out to uh Paul Businett with his seller analysis in the first round, including things like Gallant is becoming unglued behind a bench because he was yelling at the referees for a missed call in game two, uh at the garden. And also for not knowing that Igor Shishkin is good at handling the puck for a guy who's a studio analyst on a national TV partner and has a famous national podcast, not knowing that Igor Shishkin can handle a puck is fucking embarrassing. I mean, at any point, do you think you
1: referenced having a Shishkin in his pants?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think he just got thrown off not being able to just repeat the boys are rolling and the boys are buzzing for 42 minutes. 42 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a like, Apria. I know uh, I could keep going, but I'll just cut it off. (laughs) All right. Do do we have any shout-outs this week? Uh, Well, I I guess that was my first (laughs) (laughs) shout-out. I'll give another shout-out to um, the Cobster, only because she is finally getting to experience uh, playoff dad. And game seven, when Panarin scored the goal, I was sitting in my superstitious spot at the kitchen table and jumped up when Panarin scored, hit my knee on the table, which made me crouch down, all in one motion, got my feet tangled up with the leg of the chair, falling onto the kitchen floor, separating my shoulder, and then her fired bombing on top of me. <laughs> Uh, So it was quite the scene, and I was texting you when I was laying on the floor being like, fuck, I have to put my shoulder back in. (laughs) You're like, like, I hope she doesn't jump on
1: me right now because it's not going to be good.
0: Um, But no, I'm just glad our season didn't end and glad that uh, if we win, we've earned it. If we lose, we lost to pretty much the best overall team, I think, uh, in the conference this year, even more than Florida. Well, I like that, but we're gonna. Uh, we're gonna. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah.
1: shout outs. Who do I got this week? I have. Um. I, I got. Uh, you know what? You, you gave the copester a shout. I, I'll give my Josephina a shout. My, my my big baby. He's been a very good boy lately. Spent all Saturday in the yard, and then the neighbor left the gates to come in from their yard well, our yard to their yard open so at one point I'm watching game seven and my my cousin Marcia who's in for Portugal says, like, ah Kevin your dog at the other yard, I'm like what, the the dog running over there, I'm like oh boy so I get the yard and I call him over and come to find out he ran over to their yard took a nice big pee, a nice big dump in the neighbor's yard and hey when I called him he came running so what a good boy and I left it there for the neighbor to clean up so XOXO, you don't want the dog over there? Close the gate.
0: Very, very simple concept. Close the gate, and what you should have done was just walked into your garage or went to the pet store, got some poop bags, and threw it over the fence. <laughs> oh, I didn't even do that. I just called you. Come on, big boy, let's go inside. <laughs> um,. I would, yeah. You, we always talk about like, oh, uh, when's Joey and Kobe going to meet? But I feel like Joey would just stomp all over Kobe. (laughs) He'd be very excited, my big baby. He'd be very (laughs) excited to see her. Uh, But yeah, so we got game, uh, game two, round two, starting Tuesday night. Uh, We'll do what we did in the first round. Uh, After each game four has been played, we'll do a mid-series kind of update. Trends we're noticing, updates on a series, what the series uh, leads leads are at that point, um, and kind of take it from there.
1: Maybe uh, we'll actually live stream a game this round instead of um, just talking. I know it was tough alternating every night, but now that we're just focused on one team on your end, maybe we could do that.
0: Yeah, let's do uh, – once, once an elimination game is in hand, we can uh, – kind of analyze the game live as it's happening as if we're sitting on a couch together Uh, oh that 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 sounds hot (laughs) so hopefully it's when it's the range of the rough three games and none but we'll see Uh, i mean there is
1: a oh actually i can't even do this sunday rats i was gonna say let's do a sunday because it's an early game but i can't have a wedding on sunday so that'll be uh
0: well fuck the wedding yeah maybe we'll at this point
1: oh maybe maybe we'll do next saturday uh game
0: six as long as it's an elimination game and the rangers are up we're good <laughs> all right all right, all right. now nah, but whenever it's an elimination so it could be anywhere from games four through seven we'll get at least one of them in but if it goes to seven we're definitely doing that one
1: all right oh and also one other thing we forgot to mention we, we
0: talked about it earlier via text pete DeBoer fired oh, wow. in vegas today i if i'm a coach i want nothing to do with that organization I was—I thought you
1: were talking talk about Pete DeBoer himself, not the organization. But um, yeah, Pete DeBoer. The—I uh, know this year injury-wise was tough, but uh, ever since that goalie debacle, that, that is not the guy I want leading my team.
0: Yeah, it's that. And for the, for the Golden Knights, it's this is our core this year. Oh my God, shiny new toy! Let's trade for this guy. Ooh, another shiny new toy! Trade for this guy. Oh, let's get rid of our number one goaltender because there's another goaltender on the market. Let's get rid of our coach because DeBoer's available. Now let's get rid of DeBoer. I want nothing to do with the way that organization operates if I'm a head coach. They're talking about Barry Trotz going there. Trotz has his pick of the litter. If I'm him, I wait a year.
1: I was going to say, I I don't think Barry Trotz is going there. Not a chance.
0: My prediction with no insight and no research into it whatsoever, Rick Tockett. You, you don't see talk making it to Philly I think he goes he lives in Vegas uh,
1: I know I know he lives up there I just I think if Philly calls him after all the years he played there and the every I just think that's kind of where you end up I think it'll be talk jr and John LeClair as the coaches my oh,
0: Jesus Christ um that was like when the Rangers fired David Quinn uh, some fans wanted Messier to be hired. I remember that, and
1: I'm like, I'm, I'm not saying Mark Messier is not a hockey mind, but for a guy who has been away from the game now for however many amount of years, yeah. like, hey, pal, enjoy retirement.
0: Exactly. Um, who do I think goes to Philly, though, if Taka goes to Vegas? I think, are they rebuilding, or do you think they're going to go for it?
1: Well, we thought they were going for it this year, but yeah, it was a like, really bad rebuild.
0: Like, if the organization is like, listen, we're not, we're not rebuilding on a fly again here. We're going to invest in a team. We want a coach that's ready to go. They tried the players coach. Do they go the Babs?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they they need something. Did it go towards? To, I said towards last. I said so that that wouldn't be a bad landing spot for
0: towards. It seemed like. Uh, Oh, no. Did I? No, I said Torts on Long Island. Yeah, which that was another odd thing that came out today. Lane Lambert promoted the head coach of the Islanders, even though Lou fired Trotz because he said that the team needed a different voice and a fresh perspective. And he just promotes the assistant coach that's been there, who has the exact same coaching mindset.
1: I I was going to say, I mean, Lambert has been Trotz's right-hand man since they were in Nashville. So they've been to Nashville, Washington, and
0: now Long Island together.
1: And and a Lou lot of years together.
0: Lou said it has nothing to do with Trotz himself. There was no bad blood or anything. But to me, his explanation doesn't ring true anymore. So whether it's bad blood or the Islanders are trying to save some money.
1: Well, well, the only thing I don't get is, uh, like, for example, if you say the coach lost the room, I, I don't think you can hire his assistant yeah. as the next go-to. But <laughs> the fuck, what the fuck do I know?
0: we will say. But, yeah, that's
1: all we got for this week. Well, at least All right. well, everybody, thank you for listening. And um, we will catch you mid-series, mid-round, for another uh, action-packed episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Riding the stars. <laughs>